The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me, all one of the only. Damn me, the terror underwood. Say, grr. Hi, everybody. Okay, so, grr. I saw the pictures of these two that you, you gave did us. see pictures of them. They are freaking terrifying. They are. I don't even know what they did. I don't even know what they did. They, but well, already, they're called the Black Widow Murders, so you know they killed somebody. I am already freaking terrified. So, without further ado, so we can get through this one, take her away, Tammy! Again. So, <laughs> Helen Goulet was born Helen Louise Salisbury in Eastland County, Texas in 1931. Now, her father died in a car accident while she was a small child, so she lived primarily with her maternal grandfather. But when he died, she moved in with a cousin with... She moved in with a cousin in Hoquiam, Washington, which you said is on the coast, right? Yep. Okay. So later, the family of a school friend took her in for a couple of years, and then she spent the remainder of her childhood in foster care. Now, after high school, she moved to California, where she met and married a guy by the name of Vernon Golay. The two of them had two daughters together during their nine years, and they were married for nine years. And then after her divorce, she was with another man who's unnamed, and she had another daughter. Then in 1970, she married a man by the name of David J. Wells, and that marriage only lasted for a year. And publicly, Helen was an outgoing, gentle, highly successful Los Angeles realtor with a zest for life. Okay, then there's Olga Rutterschmidt. She was born Olga Papp in Budapest, Hungary in 1933. In the winter of 1944, she was badly injured during a bombing in World War II because when Russian and Allied planes were attacking Budapest to rout out the German forces, a bomb hit her family's apartment building. That explains a lot about how she looks. Yeah. I'm sorry, man, but goddamn. Yeah. Fuck. She was only Hitties. 10 years old when she was buried in the rubble, and the explosion left one of her hands permanently disfigured. Now, she allegedly had received electroconvulsive treatments, and she immigrated to the U.S. in 1957 during Hungary's failed anti-communist revolution. Now, she owned a coffee shop in L.A. with her husband, Andre, and during the 70s, Olga and her husband got a divorce, and she moved to Hollywood, and, but they had no children together. Now, Smart woman. Yeah. Very smart. Very smart. So Helen and Olga met by chance at a West Hollywood wellness spa during the 80s. The two were a match made in hell. They quickly bonded and started committing petty thefts. Their favorite scam was to go to one of the fancy hotels, change into the bathing suits in the bathroom, and pretend to be guests of the hotel. Helen and Olga would lounge by the pool looking for men. One of them would, could distract while the other robbed them. Do now, the same thing. I lounge around pools looking for men. To rob or no, just I don't men? My, no, I don't, I don't rob anybody. Mm-hmm. You hey. just look for men. Mm-hmm. Hey, sexy, are you Scorpio? Because a 20 is a 20, right? That's right. My teeth are removable. So, just saying, not gay, but hard times. <laughs> I'm not inflation. gay, but I heard. Hypothetically <laughs> <laughs> speaking. Now, given the women, apparently both women were quite attractive during this time. They were both physically fit and engaging this engaging in this activity wasn't particularly difficult and their short skirts didn't hurt either. Now, remember Helen's successful real estate career? Yeah. She probably got that way from wearing a short skirt, uh, a skirt so short that people could read her lips. 
So blind people oh, can buy things from her. I'm so done now. What? What did I do? Um, nothing. <laughs> Let's see. Although she started out by buying foreclosures, the realty she. The reality is she reportedly obtained many of her rental properties through suing and blackmail. One of her, by all accounts, legit realtor partners was Artie Aaron. Artie died from cancer in 1999, but before he did, Helen acquired power of attorney over all of his real estate holdings, which gained her millions of dollars. His daughter, Diana Aaron Olson, challenged Helen in court, but lost the case. Shitty. Yeah. Of her three children, Helen had the most tense relationship with her youngest daughter, Kesha, the one from the second, the, the in-between guy. Got you. That's a black yeah. name. It, it kind of is, but it's spelled K-E-C-I-A. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe she's hot. Well, and Kesha, the singer, isn't she white? I don't know who the fuck that is. Oh. Anyways... Helen had interfered multiple times in Kesha's relationships, apparently, because she wanted her daughter to marry an old rich man. I just thought of something. What? Her daughter can have her own show. Okay. The Kesha Killer. (laughs) God, you're so stupid. I'm a genius. (laughs) So nothing but an old rich man would do for her daughter. In one instance, she went to the house of one of one of uh, Kesha's boyfriend's mother and told her that the young man was not old enough or rich enough to date her daughter. The mother was so taken aback by this, but she didn't think anything much about it. Then a couple weeks later, Helen was again outraged that she hadn't been listened to and the couple were still together. Then another boy, ex-boyfriend named Steve Tarsivis claimed that Helen had threatened to kill him. Because, you know, he wasn't old or rich enough to date her daughter. I'm old and I'm rich. So, hey, pass her over. Yeah. So, apparently, Olga was not a saint either. She had a penchant for petty lawsuits. Like, petty lawsuits. The handyman of the apartment building where she lived once asked her what she did for a living. And she replied, I sue people. I love it. Love yeah. It. So an example of one of her dumbass lawsuits was an incident at a coffee shop in the Labre neighborhood. Olga had claimed to have suffered great emotional... It's just not Labrea. Labrea. It could be Labrea. It's probably Labrea. Yeah. Where claimed to have suffered great emotional damage because of a muffin that was inedible. Now, when Olga started, like... Making a scene, another customer by the name of Christy Howard Clark escorted her from the premises. Now, Olga attempted to sue both the coffee shop and the customer who had escorted her out. It just so happened that Christy was taking nursing classes with the handyman from Olga's apartment building. So when he offered to testify against Olga, she forced she was forced to drop the lawsuit. I can't blame her. I'm going to get her back on this one here. If I go to a coffee shop... And I order my coffee and a muffin, and I haven't had my go-go juice yet, and that muffin is fucked up, I am going to, I could be a bitch. I could be a little fucking bitch about it. I will be an ass. I was going to say, you have a tendency sometimes without your go juice to be a little bitch. Yeah, I I need my go-go juice. If not, (laughs) I'm just, I am not a, I'm not a person. I just fucking, I I, I assume that I want to murder everybody, 
And now I want to sue everybody. Hence the reason why I don't talk to you before you have your coffee in the morning. Smart move. I'm yeah, telling you. I don't, A, I don't want to die, and B, I don't want to be sued. Yeah, I know that works. Okay. Yeah, it You tracks. may continue. So, yeah, I, I have her back on this one. I can't blame her. Okay. So in 1997, Olga sued a lighting company. Helen was called as a sympathetic witness. And Olga, this is so dramatic, Olga claimed that she had been injured by a falling light fixture that felt, quote, like an atomic bomb. The hiroshima her. <laughs> That's awesome. I just like dramatic much, wait, wait, When she saw the light bulb, did she go, oh, no, it's Godzilla? <laughs> it's Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> That's horrible. So Olga had a side hustle where she ran an extensive credit card scheme. A neighbor named Lawrence, that's in quotes because I don't know if it's his real name, claimed Olga showed him 40 different credit cards she kept in a rotating cycle to rip off the credit card companies and avoid paying income taxes. I'd like to know how she did that. Otherwise, she tended to keep to herself unless it was to file noise complaints against the neighbors. (laughs) You would have hated to have her as a neighbor, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, according to George Brownfield's secretary, that's Olga's lawyer, she'd show up to the office every few years with a collision or injury claim. She must have had him on a steady retainer. (laughs) Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, now let's talk about the victims. Helen and Olga volunteered at a homeless shelter where they appeared as sweet old ladies doing their part to better the community. They donated time and money helping those in need, strategically. The two women developed relationships with their targets, pretending to be interested in their stories and their struggles. The women visited regularly, bringing groceries and other necessities. When they deemed the relationship was strong enough, Helen would offer to set the person up in an apartment. The men would live there for about two years. By this time, the women were so trusted, it didn't seem strange when they suggested taking out a life insurance policy. However, who else would be the logical beneficiary? Of course, who else would be the logical beneficiaries, Me. right? You? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scotty, Alexander. Yeah. So the men had no idea there, there were alternative motives and would continue to live at the apartment rent-free for two years. Why two years, you ask? Because after two years, life insurance companies have a difficult time contesting the beneficiaries of a policy. Olga and Helen both also purchased cars under false identities. Now, knowing their victims would need to appear, needing, need, their deaths would need to appear as an accident, the women would grind up an almost lethal dose of prescription medication and serve it to their victim. Mm, yummy. At, I know, right? As these women had been their friends and beneficiaries for years, the men had no reason to suspect there was anything unusual about the dish they, they were prepared. Helen and Olga would then take them for a drive, and once their victim was unconscious, they would find a dark alley push the, and push them out on the street, then run over them in reverse. Then off together into the night, they would drive, leaving the men there to perish. Ah. Now, Paul Vados emigrated from Hungary in 1956. Swear to God, you were going to go with Darth Vader's? Darth Vados? No, Paul Vados. Gotcha. The force with so he had the force with him. I'm, I'm digging. I'm digging. He's from Alderaan. Go for it. There you go. So, the 73 year old homeless man had been battling depression and alcoholism after the death of his wife when he met Olga and Helen. He weighed roughly 130 pounds and he was missing most of his teeth. His teeth weren't removable. They, they were, were already removable. gone. 
I bet he had a hard time picking up men. Exactly. <laughs> that right there is called the pecker record. <laughs> Ouch. It's like a queezing art, but it talks. <laughs> now, Paul's body was found in an alley in Hollywood near 307 North La Brea Avenue on November 8, 1999. He appeared... Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, it's been a long day. He appeared to be the victim of a hit and run. He looked like he was lying down when he was run over. Police assumed he had just passed out. Investigators identified him through fingerprints, but by then he had been reported missing by his, quote, fiance Helen Golay and his cousin, Olga Rutterschmidt. The two years prior, the women had started taking out life insurance policies on Paul. Each policy was one where the applicant applied either by phone or mail, and a total of eight different policies were taken out on him. Then there was Kenneth McDavid. 50-year-old Kenneth McDavid was originally from Northern California and worked as a radio DJ. And then for reasons undisclosed to us, he had wandered away from his career and family. Like Paul, Kenneth's body was, uh, was discovered down a dark alley on June 1st, 2005. Although it also looked like a hit-and-run case at first, there were some inconsistencies which puzzled investigators. It looked like Kenneth had been struck while he was fixing the tire of a bicycle. However, according to Janice Amatuzio, a forensic pathologist, based on his, posi- on his position, the wheel would have crushed his chest cavity and lungs upon impact. Yet the tire wasn't even bent. The more they looked at it, the more it looked like a stage scene versus an accident. Investigators tracked down some CCTV footage from the area, and they discovered the footage showed Kenneth was hit by a 1999 Mercury Sable. They were partying like it's 1999. Yeah. So when the car was tracked down, they found traces of Kenneth's blood in three places on the car's undercarriage. There was an ID card in his pocket, which led them to an apartment building. And the manager informed police that the guy had lived there for years, but had recently moved out. Helen Golay's name was on the lease, and she had been paying the rent. When the police contacted her, she claimed to be Kenneth's cousin. By this time, Helen had already claimed his body and had them, his remains and had them cremated. So from November 2002 to March 2003, Helen and Ogla had taken out a total of 13 policies on Kenneth, which totaled $3,700. Ah, damn. That's a nice chunk of change. But I would think 13 policies is extensive. Don't you? Nah. Nah. No, yeah, because I've got several policies. I don't have 13 of them. I was going to say, most people don't have more than one or two, do they? I don't know. I've got like five or six. Really? Something and I'm like not that? the beneficiary on any of them? Nope. That bites ass. I'm uh, giving a chunk of money to the Smithsonian for killing Sasquatches. They can't kill me. They're going to hunt them down? I'm protected by the state of Washington. Oh, they're going to lure you into Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> So on the various insurance applications, they, Helen and Olga were listed as Kenneth's business partner, cousin, or fiancé. Now, due to the extensiveness of the documents, the women had actually made a rubber stamp of their victim's signatures. Helen's daughter, Kesha, was listed as a secondary beneficiary. To Kesha killer. In case of the demise of the primary beneficiary. On many of the policies, and on many of those policies, and some of those policies... Olga didn't even know Helen had taken out. Right? 
She's an overachiever, man. Uh, yeah, she's a little side hustler. She got a little something, something. So the case had remained unsolved for months and looked like it was going to be just another cold case until Ed Webster, an investigator for Mutual of New York, showed up to get a copy of the incident report. Now, Mutual of New York had issued a $500,000 life insurance policy to Helen. And he had been trying to contact the beneficiaries, Helen and Ola, but had been unsuccessful. Since the insured was homeless, this raised a red flag with the insurance company. Soon, Ed discovered another policy for $500,000. While comparing notes, the insurance investigator found it interesting that Helen claimed to be Kenneth's cousin on one of the forms. And on the other form, she was listed as a business partner with no mention of a relation was made. God damn, you think that she'd be experienced enough to get her shit together and get her story straight. You'd be consistent, right? That that would make the most sense. Yeah. So Ed voiced his findings with Dennis Kilcoin, a veteran detective in the robbery homicide division. That's an awesome name. I know, right? What's your name, sir? Kilcoin. Kilcoin. Dennis Kilcoin. Dennis Kilcoin. No, he's going to solve shit, man. Or he's going to murder somebody. One of the two. I like it. Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. We might just have one of those days, man. I mean, he is on LAPD, right? And on top of that, what if what if he went into that same coffee shop and somebody gave him some bullshit muffin that was inedible? I mean, God damn, think about that. Think about that, you coffee shop. Kill coins coming after you. That's right. Don't give co- cops inedible coffee and or pastries. Or anybody rotten bastards for what you all charge. Especially Starbucks, fuck. Starbucks is, has a stupid amount of coffee it's, well, prices. Stupid expensive. That's not even good coffee. No, it's no, Dutch all the way. So, um, at first, when Detective Kilcoin heard what was happening, heard what the guy had to say, he was amused. Who would suspect two women in their 70s of murder and insurance scam? However, his interest peaked when a colleague recalled working a similar scene in 1999. The FBI and the California State Department of Insurance were called in, launching an almost year-long investigation. Now, Detective Kilcoin assigned officers to follow both women. Helen was easy to follow. She favored pencil skirts, black stockings, and heels with her hair up. That's so hot in an older lady. Yeah! Pencil skirt, black stockings, and heels. I'm going to need some alone time. (laughs) After looking at those pictures? Okay. No, not a chance. I'm telling you, man, I... I like I, I like the older ladies, but look at those pictures. I'm seriously, I'm just, I'm terrified. Yeah. She also drove a Mercedes SUV and spent most of her time at Izzy's, which is a deli in Santa Monica near where she lived, not the pizza parlor that's now defunct. Um, Helen would set up in one of the booths and do her bookkeeping there. Now, by comparison... Olga lived in a one-bedroom apartment, spent most of her time alone listening to classical music and either hiking the Runyon Canyon or walking on the beach. She also was known to steal her neighbor's mail. Now, Olga's rent was around $200 a month because she qualified for Section 8 housing. She claimed to have a mental disorder as a result of the bombing as a child. I've got a mental disorder looking at her picture. <laughs> freaking nightmare tonight, now, man. Now, this actually might be the only legitimate thing she did. It's very likely she did experience PTSD combined with the damage to her hand. And for those who don't know, Section 8 is a federal rental assistance program, which is notoriously difficult to be approved for. 
And the waiting list can be insanely long, with some even decades. I was on it for 17 years before they told me I was going to the top. And I was like, you know, too late now, buddy. You know, because I'd have been homeless for real. And it depends on where you live in your circumstances. Now, undercover officers photographed Olga with a frail man named Joseph Gabor, who lived alone above the Hungarian Reformed Church. One day, she was seen talking with Joseph and pointing at forms. Then she drove him to a Bank of America. Now, Detective Kilcoin says, quote, this is how it would start. They would go open a checking account and then, hey, by opening a checking account, you get a free $1,000 policy. Then a week or two later, in the mail, you get a thing from Bank of America stating, hey, because you're such a great customer, we've just increased you. For 26 cents a week, your policy can be $10,000. It just starts snowballing from there. Now, Jimmy Covington, a homeless man in his 40s, had turned up on an $800,000 application with AAA insurance, which listed Helen as a beneficiary. Jimmy told the police he had been hanging out in Hollywood when Olga approached him and offered to let him stay on a futon in an office across the street. Under the condition, he fill out some paperwork. A short time later, he met Helen, who was leasing the office. Over the next week, Olga returned repeatedly and grew increasingly angry that he still hadn't provided his personal information. And this scared him, so he bolted. Over the years... Smart dude, man. Yeah. Over the years, three other men's lives were spared because the life insurance policies were denied. So there's something to be said about too sick to have a life insurance policy, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So on May 18th of 2006, Helen and Olga were arrested on felony mail fraud and murder. 100 officers fanned out in two teams to arrest the women simultaneously. Neither one had any idea what was coming. After their arrest, it took no time at all for them to turn on each other, considering they had already been bickering with each other. The two were quickly dubbed Black Widows in the L.A. Times. Which, I think that is so funny, because you couldn't pay me and my best friend to turn on each other, no matter how we felt about each other at the time. Tell me about it. She won't even let me see her inverted nipples. She won't let nobody do nothing. Makes me sad. Breaks my heart. And when it comes down to me, she will, she will, she will kill a bitch in her mind. <laughs> so the trial began on March 18, 2008, and lasted three weeks. The two pled not guilty, but neither one of them testifies. As if the tensions between Helen and her daughter Kesha were not high enough, Helen tried to throw her under the proverbial bus. Helen's lawyer claimed in his opening statement that Kesha was much more physically fit to have pulled off the crimes where Helen was just a frail old lady who couldn't possibly be physically able to do so. And then her daughter jumped up and said, Kesha me if you can. <laughs> You're so stupid. His proof was the late night phone calls between Olga and Kesha. Olga's lawyer told the jury Olga had gone along with the fraud because she was dazzled by Helen's lifestyle, but she was not involved with the murders at all. Just the fraud, right? Oh, okay, yeah. What's a little fraud between friends? Now, Helen's hairdresser testified. Because, you Ah. know, hairdressers, like bartenders, know everything. Oh, tell me about it, man. My my waxer, Michelle, knows everything about me. Well, I know, because you talk about shit. Oh, yeah, and I like her. Yeah, I know. I love her, too. Like a lot. I know you do. In a very inappropriate way. Probably very. Very super. Poor woman. So he'd keep on hoping for that happy ending. Yeah. But all I get is pain. Pain ripping out at your follicles. At the root. (laughs) 
She's got your DNA everywhere. That, uh, just wait. She's going to have my <laughs> DNA everywhere. Sick fucker. Now, she was no different. Helen's hairdresser testified she had referred to victims of Hurricane Katrina as nothing, and they were just on welfare. They were useless to society. Helen had also told her told her one could marry a rich old man, take out a life insurance policy, and feed him small doses of Viagra every day to kill him. You know, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna get a little hard on every day and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to blow that old dude. Right? Hypothetically speaking, if I was to do that to make money. <laughs> hypothetically. So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> she explicit Helen also explicitly told her, You don't know how evil I am. Now this is the sad part here, is Helen kept a meticulous record of all the life insurance policies, and everything was labeled and in order, I which like her, made man. it very easy for the investigators. Hey, or, you got to be organized. That's the thing. So That's I, true. I, I can't falter for that. Yeah. Then, an envelope found in Olga's apartment contained photocopies of... Documents for a Hillary Alder. Now, Alder belonged to the same health club as Helen's daughter, Kesha, and then reported her purse stolen from a locker. The vehicle which had killed Kenneth was registered under Hillary Alder's name, and the car dealer who sold the car identified in court that Olga was the buyer. She gave him Hillary's ID and said the car was a gift. Kesha her. She's got my ID. No, it's still stuck on that name, Kesha. Now... <coughs> Apparently, the jury didn't take long to deliberate. Helen and Olga were convicted on two counts of murder and sentenced to life in prison. And the prosecution opted not to seek the death penalty, probably because they were so old, I'm assuming. Because, you know, they did that with, um, what's her name? Um, Dorothy Puente, remember? Oh, that? yeah. Cause... And I don't know how to spell either. Yeah, She was like 8,000 freaking years old. Man. Yeah. So Helen is currently 91 and Olga is 89. And due to the lack of any reports on their deaths, it appears as if they're still serving out their sentences in California penitentiary. Probably at Chowchilla. Probably. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Do you think Kesha was involved at all? No, I don't. I think think she actually hated her mom. I think she did, too. Yeah, I, I think that she was just a, an unwilling victim in this whole thing. And I, I actually feel bad for her, man. Yeah. I know, especially since her mom interfered with her love life. Yeah, that's jacked. That's jacked. Like, if I was her boyfriend, I would have straight out just told her mom off because I'm a dick. I would have look here. I will fucking backhand you into next week, old lady. Second Tuesday of next week, damn it. Goddamn right. Because, <laughs> you know... Whether, at least for me, whether a relationship is good or bad, right or wrong, we it's learn. Yours. Yeah, yeah, it's just yours. And we learn by making these mistakes. Well, okay, I had to make the marriage mistake with the wrong women five friggin' times, but I'm half retarded. So there you okay. go. Well, let's be honest. Your first marriage wasn't mistake. Wasn't a mistake. It just, I think you guys were just too immature at the time to make it work. No, and that's true. That's why we're best friends now. Yeah. She's awesome. She's my favorite. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Maritza rocks. I love her. I was so glad I got to see her when she was here this last time. She is my favorite Mexican. <laughs> she your favorite ex-wife, too. She's my favorite ex-wife, too. Yeah. Because her and I talk constantly. Like, yeah. We talk a few times a week. and um, she, She's my favorite ex-wife, too. Yeah, she's, she's fan-freaking-tastic, man. 
She's actually the only one of your ex-wives I've ever wanted to meet. You don't want to meet the other ones. Trust me. The other ones are twats. <laughs> but anyways, that's all I have for Olga and Helen. Thank God, man. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at www. Oh, fuck me. You can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlue.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Prime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We'll pop right up. You get the full story without any of my BS. This show's copyright in 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will see you guys later. Hey, remember this, boys and girls. Stay fine and stay sexy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>